This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. I'm your host, Charlie McDermott. Welcome to episode number 559 of the Good Neighbors Podcast. And today we have Bryce Alexander. He's the CEO of the Naples Players. Bryce, how you doing? Good. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? I'm doing great. And there's nothing better than a good neighbor that entertains us, gets our mind off of all this yuckiness that's going on in our life, whether it's now with the craziness or even before and after. You know, there's always something going on. We need we need you, Bryce. We need you. And what well, you we're doing? happy to be here to, to provide. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with the Naples Players. Tell us about it. Sure. The Naples Players, we were founded in 1953 wow. in the living room of Mary and Henry Watkins here in Naples. And uh, over the years, then we moved into uh, Gulfview Middle School and then into a, a storefront theater on Davis Boulevard and then the Contiki Theater, which is uh, where Bayfront is now. And finally, in 1998, the Naples Players opened here on Fifth Avenue South in downtown Naples. Wow. Wow. What a history. Yes. Yeah. So today we serve about 60,000 audience members. We have about 10,000 students involved in our education programs. And we also um, have about 22 partnerships with local community organizations uh, that we provide services to through wellness through the arts programs. Um, that could be anything from theater therapy to improv um, for people with anxiety or Parkinson's. Uh, and so we, uh, we serve a wide range of people through the arts in many different ways. And we do it mostly by volunteers. So 650 volunteers tend to, tend to uh, donate more than 65,000 volunteer hours a year to wow. finish all of these great programs for our community. Wow. Wow. So to say you have a lot going on is a complete understatement, obviously. <laughs> That's right. Wow. We, we do a lot in the community so much farther beyond than the sort of traditional aspect that you would expect from a theater company. And I think that's one of the things that makes us so unique and so renowned around the country is that ability to, to not only provide an opportunity for the community to come together through the arts, but then also to try to serve the community in unique ways. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. And, and what a wonderful outlet for, for the residents. And I, I love the fact that, you know, working with kids and, and just, um, you know, the life skills that acting and being on a stage and being involved, the teamwork, the speaking, you know, right. skills. No, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting that, you know, there's so, there's obviously so many studies that many people are familiar with that demonstrate that students who participate in the arts have stronger math and science scores, mm. but there's even a newer uh, studying of, you know, teen behavior that's, emerging with the arts. And so what, what we've been able to determine is that students, you know, in their teenage years, they seem to uh, make uh, dumb choices. <laughs> you know, you go, you go into adolescence and you don't quite understand uh, the choices that you're making, how they might impact your future. And so there's a lot of studies about why it is that, you know, young people make those kinds of decisions. How come they don't quite understand that something that could impact their future life uh, is not worth doing? And, and they've discovered that you know, the teenage brain hasn't developed to a point where they can quite understand the complexities of, you know, the, the issues they're going to deal with in life. And so those social pressures play a really big part in the decision to sneak out at night. You know, is it more dangerous to the student to feel like if they get caught, 
um, you know, that it might ruin their chances for a scholarship, or is it more dangerous that the student, their friends that they see tomorrow are going to say, hey, how come you didn't come out with us last night? And for those teenagers, it's actually the latter that, you know, it's scarier to think that their friends who they see tomorrow aren't going to aren't going to appreciate the efforts that they made to sneak out. And so the arts provide all those critical feedback loops that making a bad choice actually uh, stimulate in the brain. So you go out in front of a group of people, which makes you feel anxious. You know, it's one of the number one fears in America is public speaking. And so we can put teenagers out in front of their peers who then provide them positive critical feedback through applause and laughter and all of the things that the arts provide. And so not only are we helping students improve their math and science scores and understanding empathy and, and modes of expression, but we're actually also stimulating that portion of the brain that helps students feel like they're taking a risk reward um, without it being such risky behavior. And, and that's an important cognitive ability for the arts that uh, I think is under underappreciated. Wow. Wow. That's, thank you for sharing that. That's uh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, very know, it's, it's a, I was going to say, it's those little things, uh, you know, that, that make a real, really big impact. And, um, you know, that's right. Uh, we're, we're, our future is comes down to one thing, you know, how we not only raise our kids, but what we expose them to. And, uh, Again, what a wonderful platform to expose the kids to and, and help them reinforce those skills and, and do the, you know, make them the fine, upstanding citizens that we are. Right, Bryce? That's right. Absolutely. I didn't do anything <laughs> stupid in my youth. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, so, you know, there's a lot of great programs, you know, for adults, too, that, you know, sort of embrace those same concepts of wellness through the arts. So. Uh, we have a program with the Naples Therapeutic Writing Center. And um, so the, you know, equine therapy has been known for a long time to help young people and adults. Um, the horses can be very soothing. They can, the motion of the horse can really help the students slow down and process. And so then when you combine that with the techniques of improv, we're able to help those students calm down and then learn to express the emotions um, that improv helps teach. And that's, we're, we're the only program of that, that kind in the country. Um, there's one other in the UK that does something similar, but that's that's the kind of impact we can have that when you buy a ticket to a show, you don't even understand what you're supporting. Wow. Wow. Now that word improv, I, I, I got to believe that that probably freaks a lot of people out initially, right? It does. You know, the, the concept of public speaking is scary. The, impro- the concept of improv is, is even <laughs> scarier. But, you know, we always start with the foundations and the foundations of improv, as many people know, are just saying yes and building on top of it. And so, you know, that is so useful in so many applications, whether it's uh, learning how to teach uh, or, or, you know, teaching people with disabilities how to uh, interview for a job. You know, sometimes it can be very um, overwhelming to have these questions thrown at you and you don't know how to respond. So if we can teach someone just to calm down and say yes to the question and then respond to it, that skill in itself is improv. And we're able to teach that and help students get, um, jobs, for example, you yeah. know, that, so yeah, improv is very scary, but then once you're able to participate and understand how freeing it is, trusting your own instincts and communicating, it, it opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Wow. Wow. Enlightening. Wow. Um, so Bryce, what about your journey? You know, how did you get into not only what you're doing now, but, but the whole 
theater world. Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, I had a really excellent elementary school uh, music teacher who really instilled a love of the performing arts for me. And so at a very young age, third or fourth grade, I thought, man, I love this theater thing. I want to keep going with this. And so she continued to encourage me. And then, uh, you know, I went to a public school system that really understood and provided the arts. And, you know, by the time I went to college, it was clear that I, I loved the arts and administration, which that, that part's a little weird. Um, <laughs> so I went to college and went to college for arts and uh, uh, got degrees in both theater and English. And um, when I graduated, I started working for a company in Denver called Family Theater Company, which is actually spelled P-H-A-M-A-L-Y. And it stood for the Physically Handicapped Actors and Musical Artists League. And uh, we were at the time, you know, kind of the only semi-professional theater company in the country comprised entirely of people with disabilities. And that company really demonstrated to me the importance of community engagement through the arts, you know, how, how therapeutic and important the process of creation is. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, the company grew and grew and it became clear that it was time for a person with a disability to lead the organization as I was not a person with disability. And so uh, we helped usher that organization into the next generation. And then I looked for another company around the country that I thought had such tremendous potential to impact its community um, in a similar way. And the Naples players called my name and my wife and I picked up a couple months later and, and have been in Naples uh, ever since. Wow. Well, and when was that? Uh, 2016. That's yeah. Five years now that we've been down here. Good for you. Are you originally from the uh, the Denver, Colorado area? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was actually born in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and uh, ah. uh, but I would say I'm a Coloradan. Uh, spent most of my life in Colorado. We we did some stints in North Carolina and Chicago and others, but uh, I would say I'm a, a truly a an adopted Coloradan and uh, spent most of my time in college there. Yeah, that's awesome. What about when it comes to mis misconceptions in your world? What do you hear that you can speak to? You know, I think the biggest misconception is that nonprofit arts or the arts sector is, you know, sort of irrelevant to the economic community. You know, people drastically underestimate the impact of the arts and culture sector. And so, you know, one of the things I always like to talk about is that in the United States, the GDP of arts and culture is an $800 billion industry. And it's actually grown um, almost to a trillion dollars. And so, when you look at the GDP of arts and culture, it's actually bigger than agriculture. It's bigger than transportation. And so, you know, people have this sense that the arts are an other form, you know, that they're, they're not important to support. Um, and, you know, that those are entertainment factors when in reality, even from an economic standpoint, they are tremendous drivers of our economy. You hear, you, you know, during COVID, you heard about bailouts for airlines. You heard about those kinds of programs and, uh, took a long time before anyone started talking about arts and culture, even though the arts and culture sector is a much larger portion of the country's GDP than transportation. So uh, those kinds of things are really important to understand. And so when the, when the Naples players, you know, bring 60 to 65,000 people downtown Naples every year, uh, our surveys demonstrate 95% of those people go out and spend money at dinner beforehand, or they go to go to the shops and stores, or they go back to the restaurants after the shows. And that economic engine is why the Naples Players is here. And yet, when we talk about public support of the arts, you know, there's not a dollar of public uh, tax that goes to arts and culture in Collier County. There's no 
there's no county support for arts and culture. And the city of Naples has a visual arts program um, for public displays of art, but no performing arts. Uh, wow. They're hopefully changing that. Uh, yeah. But in terms of public support for the arts, it's your ticket price and your generous contributions to a nonprofit like the, like the Naples Players that actually sustain us. There is no, you know, tourist support for uh, the theater, despite the fact that our whole industry is, you know, and our whole economy in Southwest Florida is certainly driven by tourism. Yeah, that's surprising. Wow. And even at the state level, you know, the, the funding is very low. You know, it's. Uh, I think the state of Florida ranks 49th out of 50 states in terms of arts and culture funding. And um, it used to be in the top 10. And so it's it's really slid over the, over the years as people's understanding of the importance of the arts has slid as well. So you obviously have your, your hands full every single day, but you know, after hours, what's, what's Bryce's life like, you know, when you're not in the office, what are you doing for fun? Sure. Well, I uh, am so lucky to know so many incredible people in our community. So I serve on several boards. I'm on the emergency medical authority for Collier County, uh, a leadership Collier foundation advisory council. Um, and actually I do, I do kind of find those things fun, but most importantly, I spend a lot of time with my wife and our dogs, kayaking, um, getting on a, on the boat, going down to, to Captiva or any of the islands and, you know, enjoying the incredible life that we are lucky to lead here in Southwest Florida. Um, 10,000 islands, you know, there's there's so much great, the corkscrew swamp, the botanical gardens. The <laughs> I mean, there's so much great stuff to do in Naples outside. And then of course I, can't help myself but attend the the other performing arts organizations in the in the county too because we just have such a rich a rich offering. So, you know, I, I I'm we feel so incredibly fortunate to live here because we have those opportunities to participate in so many different things. Yeah, you know, I, I think folks who live in Southwest Florida, we, we should structure like an eight day week so we could spend one of those days or three day weekends because there is so much to see and do and, so and much. which is awesome. But man. There's a lot to see and do. <laughs> How about when it comes to hardships, life challenge, Bryce, what comes to mind a period of time you went through a rough patch and got through it. And now you can say, Hey, that was actually a good thing. I'm better for it. I'm stronger. Sure. Well, I mean, I think COVID is a good example of that for everybody. You know, it's been, it was a, especially in the performing arts industry, you know, um, a significant portion of our industry was uh, laid off uh, or lost their jobs or their organizations closed, you know? And so even the Naples players, we saw $1.9 million in lost revenue uh, between, you know, March of 2020 and uh, the early parts of 2021. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it really puts a strain on not only you as a, as a business leader, but you as an individual in your community, you know, how, how is it that you can help, and also protect yourself. And, and I think that's part of the fear that exists with something like COVID. But, you know, in the end, we were able to keep everyone employed. We didn't, we didn't uh, furlough anyone. We didn't lay anyone off. We didn't reduce any salaries. And that's because we made the decision to try to serve the community. And so we ended up sewing masks in our costume shop for NCH. You know, early on in the, the pandemic, they knew that there was going to be a, a shortage of PPE. And so, you know, we were able to use our resources to help provide some of the administrative offices and the people who should be wearing masks but didn't need the N95 masks um, to the hospital. You know, that was a critical thing. And our our um, scene shop worked with the infectious disease experts at NCH. You know, again, early on, they weren't exactly sure every single way that uh, COVID was spread, but they knew that they were intubating patients and the, the intubation process is, is uh, messy. 
you know, a lot of bodily fluids can be expelled uh, during the intubation process. And so we worked with their doctors to custom design boxes that go over a patient's head out of acrylic. And the doctors can put their hands in and they can manipulate as they need, but anything that's expelled is, is contained within this box so that it's much easier to clean. It's much safer for the doctors and staff. And so those kinds of programs we were able to drop, jump into very early on. And as a result, then we were able to, you know, garner good community support and uh, right. government grants and things that helped us continue to serve the community. And so once we got through the early phases of COVID, it was like, okay, how do we help the community continue to feel like they can be engaged? How do they still see their friends and neighbors, which is something we're so used to doing in Southwest Florida. So we worked with our friends uh, down the street, um, the Inn on Fifth, who have a, a nice outdoor parking lot. And we did a drive-in movie series uh, every couple of weeks. You know, people could come in their cars, stay in their cars and watch a movie with their community um, and stay COVID safe, you know, or in the early wow. days. And, and that, that was novel. You know, nobody was thinking about how to bring people together in that kind of safe way. Everyone was trying to get into people's homes digitally and we we were doing that as well we did yeah. concerts and plays but the ability to bring the community together in person and use the car as a barrier you know was really important so by the time we got through covid we had done performances with the zoo and the botanic gardens we'd done them in baker park and cambier park and you know in partnership with so many different organizations and so when i look back on it i don't ever want to have to do something like that again but the the opportunity to demonstrate the importance of the arts, but also then for the arts to make such an important impact in our community and on all of those nonprofits. Um, I look back on that and go, wow, we did a good job. You know, we, there were so many people um, in, you know, the, the senior homes who were unable to see their families who are in their rooms, you know, see in these incredible areas of isolation. And we were able to do digital programs through improv um, that engaged all of these individuals from their rooms to see their friends and families and keep them engaged and helping them express their emotions and their fear about what was happening in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I feel extremely blessed and, and I feel very proud of that effort that we all made. And my, my ability to help the organization navigate those times is something mm -hmm. that I certainly, uh, I'm not sure I've processed yet, but I, I feel good about mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you should. I mean, it's fascinating all the different tentacles you, you guys have had in the community. I mean, my goodness. Um, so creative. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's it demonstrates the power of people coming together to, to work yeah. towards the common good. Yeah. About one thing you wish our listeners knew about the Naples players, what would that be? I think I wish uh, our, your, you know, that all of our community members understood that the Naples players is really driven by their friends and neighbors. You know, it is a community-based organization. So um, when you, when you see these incredible performances we're well known for on stage, those are people who live in Naples. Those are not actors hired from New York city. They're not brought in and you know, they, those are people wow. here expressing their passions um, you know, themselves. And so anyone in, in Southwest Florida can come participate, whether you're sewing costumes or, you know, working the scene shops or working the spotlights or being on stage. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll teach anyone any of those skills if they're excited to understand how to participate in something as cool as the arts. And so many people don't understand because our quality is so high. They don't understand that they can participate in that and they can also help make that quality so spectacular.
Wow. Well, I know we have listeners now based on what you just said and everything else you covered. They want to get in touch. They want to learn more. What's the best way for them to do so? They should just go to our website, naplesplayers.org um, and click on the, at the top participate. And there's already auditions. There's volunteer opportunities and we'll take them into the theater and we'll give them a tour and show them the facility and show them all the different places they can work and then uh, sign up. It's a fun place to be. Love it. Love it. Well, Bryce, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank yeah, you for all you and the Naples players are doing in the community. And we wish you the best going forward. Thank you, Charlie. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast. To nominate your favorite local business to be featured on the show, go to goodneighborpodcast.com. That's goodneighborpodcast.com. Or call us at 239-224-4105.